0: Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this day that you have given to us. Thank you for these who have gathered together. Thank you for your word that leads us and guides us and enables us to serve in ways that are acceptable to you by the grace that you have given us in Christ Jesus. I pray, God, that we would all do that and do it well. We ask your blessing on your word today. In your son's name, amen. Well, when I was in high school... I did a, a load of laundry, and as any typical high school guy, I left that load of laundry in the dryer, and I left it there for a few days, and frankly, I forgot about it. And then I came home one day, and uh, our dryer was in the garage, growing up in California, you don't have to have your dryer in the house. Got dryers in the garage, I come home one day, I drive, pull into the, to the garage, and I see we got a new dryer. And the first thought that crosses my mind, I remember, I have overlooked my laundry for like three days, where's my laundry? And you're thinking, not a big deal, right? Your mom probably got it out for you as she might do, or or maybe it's sitting on top of the dryer. It wasn't on top, so I went in. I said, mom, where's my clothes? Her response, what clothes? Mom, where's the dryer? Her response, they took it to the dump. Lesson learned. Don't overlook your clothes in the dryer because they might end up at the dump. I'm, I was a typical high school guy. That was like 80% of my clothes. I didn't have a lot of clothes. <laughs> Lost it. Don't overlook your clothes in the dryer. Well, we're going to learn a similar lesson this morning but a far more important lesson to not overlook. Don't overlook Jesus. Because a whole lot more is on the line than a load of clothes in the dryer. Eternity is on the line. Your life is on the line. Don't overlook Jesus. Or as the writer of Hebrews says, consider Jesus. Look to Jesus. Remember Jesus. That is the crux of the matter this morning. We must consider Jesus If we want to endure to the end. We must consider Jesus if we want to endure to the end. So let's do that this morning. Let's consider Jesus. And we're going to consider him in three ways. And I'm going to give all three of them to you up front. So let's consider Jesus as the faithful apostle we need. As the faithful high priest we need. And as the faithful builder. We need. Jesus is faithful in all of these roles. And it's his faithfulness that we look to as we endure to the end. As we seek to be faithful to the end. As the writer of Hebrews says, to not drift away. Or to not fall away. Or turn away from our faith. We look to Jesus and his faithfulness. So read again with me. The first two verses here in Hebrews chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. There are so many transitions in this letter. There are so many therefores and since thens. Everything ties together. And so the same Jesus that was described in chapter 2, who delivered us from lifelong slavery, who made propitiation for our sins, who helps us when tempted, this same Jesus we're considering here in chapter 3. And the first way that we consider Jesus is as the faithful apostle that we need. Now, this is the first time that the writer of Hebrews has directly addressed us, without including himself, directly addressed us with a command. You do this. So he says, consider Jesus. Think on Jesus. And the first way is as the the faithful apostle we need. Now, it's a little weird. Maybe you picked up on this as we were reading it. It's a little weird that Jesus would be called Apostle. We usually think of Apostles, and rightly so, as early leaders in the church who were appointed by Jesus. They were authorized by Jesus, sent by him. And so it's a little odd. How is it that Jesus is an Apostle? Apostles, they were sent out with authority to proclaim God's word. They had seen the risen Christ. They had heard his teachings. They had witnessed his miracles. And so they were specially authorized to lead the local church. To proclaim the gospel. To speak on the authority of God. So we think of the 12 apostles. We think of Matthias who replaced Judas. We think of Paul. In a technical sense, individuals with this title... They they don't appear until the New Testament. You won't find the word apostle in the Old Testament. And yet, I think that the writer of Hebrews is purposefully drawing our attention to Moses in this passage. He's brought Moses into the passage in verse 2, and he compared him to Christ. And so the author of Hebrews is helping us to see that, no, Moses was never called an apostle, but he functioned like an apostle. He didn't hold the title, but he behaved like one. He was appointed by God. He was specially sent by God. He was authorized by God. He was taught by God. He witnessed God's miracles, and he came with a message. A clear message to the people of Israel. God is going to deliver you from Egypt. So Moses was like an apostle. And he was faithful to God. Moses is lifted up here in Hebrews chapter 3 as an example of faithfulness to us. Moses was highly regarded by the original audience that this letter would have been written to. Moses was the one that they knew spoke face to face with God. He was like a friend to God. No one else in the Old Testament is talked about like that. And so the writer of Hebrews, he lifts up Moses. He says, here is an example of faithfulness. Faithful as he functioned like an apostle. But why Jesus? Why does Jesus receive this title in Hebrews? The only place in the whole Bible that Jesus is given the title apostle. Well, he's not just an apostle. He is the apostle. He is the ultimate apostle. Remember back to the beginning of Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus is the final and full revelation of God's word. He is the word made flesh. How did Hebrews start? Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The Son is himself, the Word of God. And so Jesus says in John twelve forty nine. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And so Jesus is the apostle in the sense that he was sent by the Father himself to speak on behalf of the Father. He was appointed by God, just as Moses was. And he was faithful in the task given to him, just as Moses was. And he delivered the message that we needed to hear. An even better message than the message Moses delivered. Moses delivered the message of freedom from slavery in Egypt. And yet Jesus came and he delivered the message of freedom from slavery to sin. He has destroyed the power of the one over whom we then were enslaved with lifelong fear. Lifelong slavery. Jesus has come with a far better message. A far more complete message. And this message, as the writer of Hebrews says, is our confession. That is the good news of the Gospel. That Christ Jesus came to earth having taken on human flesh. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't. He died the death that we deserved. And having been raised from the dead, defeating sin and death, He ever lives, the writer of Hebrews says. He ever lives to make intercession for us. That's the message That is our confession. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you haven't believed that message, if that is not your confession, make it your confession today. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. You can bank on that because Scripture says it. Believe the message that's been delivered by the Son. From the Father, Jesus is the faithful apostle that we need. Jesus is also the faithful high priest that we need. We see that again in verses 1 and 2. Jesus is not only called the apostle, but he is also called the high priest of our confession. A better Moses in every way. Because Moses was like a priest in the Old Testament. And we often think of Moses' brother, Aaron. Rightly so. Aaron, the first high priest of Israel. Moses' brother. He officially held that title. And later in Hebrews, Jesus is going to be compared to Aaron as well. And the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us, Jesus is better than Aaron too. But here, the comparison to Moses makes the most sense. Moses is on the mind of the author of Hebrews. And Moses was called a priest in Psalm 99, verse 6. Moses and Aaron were among his, God's, priests. Moses is called a priest. Because Moses functioned like a priest. He was the go-between for God and the people of Israel. He was the mediator. He, He met with God. He represented God to the people. And he represented the people... To God before Aaron was officially the high priest, Moses oversaw the sacrifices that confirmed God's covenant with his people. Exodus 24. Moses literally threw the blood of the sacrifices on the people to represent the people's and God's fidelity and, and faithfulness to each other in that covenant. Just how'd you like if I just start splashing blood on you guys, right? Moses did that. He was like a priest. He was a faithful priest appointed by God. But in Jesus, an even greater priest has come. As apostle, Jesus brought the message from God. And as high priest, Jesus carried out the message from God. Jesus made propitiation for our sins. We saw that last week. He turned away God's wrath through his sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, the high priests made lots of sacrifices on behalf of the people. But they never offered themselves. They did not get up on the altar to give their life. But as the perfect God-man... Jesus was, the one, was both the one who was offering the sacrifice and Jesus was the one who was sacrificed. He was the perfect, unblemished lamb. The lamb that would take away the sins of the world. And so through him, we can say with confidence that we're forgiven, that we're accepted by God, that we're cleansed of our sins because Jesus was faithful as the high priest of our confession. He was appointed by God, given this role by his Father, and faithful to it in every respect. Consider Jesus, because he is the faithful high priest that we need. No other high priest could bring about the forgiveness of our sins. Only Jesus. And so that's the second way that we consider Jesus this morning. The faithful high priest we need. Let's look at the third way. Jesus is the faithful builder we need. The faithful builder we need. Follow along as I read beginning in verse 3. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. To testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So this is where the comparisons with Moses really kick into high gear. They take center stage. Jesus is better than Moses. Not because there was something wrong with Moses, but because Jesus has a far greater title and he has far greater responsibility. And that makes Jesus worthy of more glory than Moses. You see it there in the text. Moses was faithful in God's house, but Jesus is faithful over God's house. Small distinction, but it matters. When Casey and I were first married, we got a flyer in the mail from a local car dealership. And the flyer was like a lottery scratch off. It said, match three and win a thousand dollars. Red flags everywhere. Car dealership, lottery scratch off, scratch three, win a million dollars, win a thousand dollars. So what did we do? We did it. Why not? We didn't have to pay for it or anything. Let's just see if we won. And we did. We got three matches. So we hopped in the car. We went to the car dealership. We held out our hand. We said, give us a thousand dollar check. And the car salesman says, well, it's match three and get put in a drawing for $1,000. Come to find out later, every single one of those those flyers, everybody won. Everybody's a winner. Everybody's a winner. And that's when it hit me, when I'm sitting across from the car salesman, inside the car dealership. It's a trap. They've got me. I'm not here to get a check for $1,000 from them. I'm here because they want a check from me. It's all because of a small distinction on that flyer. The flyer said match three and win $1,000, but it should have said match three and maybe win a $1,000. That's a small distinction, but it matters. Big difference there. Same with this passage. Small distinction between Moses and Jesus, but it matters. Moses was faithful in God's house, but Jesus was faithful over God's house. Moses was given responsibility in God's house. He led God's people. He instructed God's people. He encouraged God's people. He rebuked God's people. He had lots of responsibility in God's house. But at the end of the day, Moses was a part of God's house. He was part of God's people. That is God's house. But Jesus is not. Jesus is not a part of God's house. He was over God's house, because he was the faithful builder of that very house. We see in the verse there that God is the builder of all things. Jesus is the builder of God's house, and Moses himself is in God's house. And obviously the builder of the house is worthy of more honor, worthy of more recognition than the house itself. The house didn't put any effort into its construction, The house didn't have to make any decisions on the design and the layout of itself. The house didn't have to do anything. The builder put in all the work. He deserves the recognition. And so Jesus is the faithful builder of God's house. And God's house, that's us. We are his people. All of those who have been redeemed by his blood. We are being built into a house. We are being gathered together as God's people. And Jesus has authority over us. Because Jesus is not simply a servant in the house of God. The writer of Hebrews unpacks for us what it means for Moses to be a servant. Moses, the text says, testified to the things that were to be spoken. So what is, what is the writer of Hebrews talking about? What did Moses testify about? What did Moses say about what was to come? Here's something. Deuteronomy 18. In Deuteronomy 18, Moses is talking to the people of Israel. And Moses is telling them that a greater prophet than himself is going to come one day. A greater spokesperson for God than even himself. Listen to what Moses says, Deuteronomy 18, and he says in verse 15, and then listen also to what God says in verse 18. Verse 15, Moses addressing the people. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And then verse 18. The Lord says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak them, speak to them all that I command them. Now these words find their fulfillment in Jesus. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 17. Peter is preaching the gospel to his fellow Jews. The church is just being birthed. Believers are, are, are coming into the fold. And Peter is preaching the gospel to his fellow Jews. And he is persuading them that Jesus is the Messiah. And listen to what he says beginning in verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Verse 22. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. So the things that, that Moses testified to that were to be spoken later, those things Peter spoke of Jesus Christ. They they are centered on Him. Jesus Himself said in John 5.46, For if you believed Moses, you would believe Me. For He wrote of Me. So Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is worthy of more honor than Moses. Because Moses was looking forward to Jesus. Moses wrote of Jesus. The faithful son over God's house. The faithful builder of God's house who would do what Moses couldn't do. He would rescue God's house from their sins. Consider him, the writer of Hebrews says, consider Jesus. The faithful apostle we need. The faithful high priest we need. And the faithful builder we need. Because as we see his faithfulness, As we see the faithfulness of our Savior, having been bought by His blood, we are moved to faithfulness ourselves. We see the faithful Son. We see the one who persevered. We see the one who endured to the end that we might be brought to God, and that fuels our faith. We must consider Jesus if we want to endure to the end. Read with me the last half of verse 6. Back in Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 6, And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So what is our confidence? What is our hope? It's an eternity with God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Look back at verse 1. It ties to the end of verse 6, and we see something of kind of the bookends of this passage Verse 1 speaks of a heavenly calling that we share in. And so we share in this heavenly calling. We have a confidence and a hope, and we must hold to that confidence until the end. So this chapter, it actually opens with a reminder to us as Christians that this life is not all that there is. This life is filled with suffering. This life is filled with struggle. The prayer requests, they they will never end. And sometimes, we just want to throw in the towel. We want to say, it's too hard. It's too hard to keep trusting in God. It's too hard to keep crying out to God. It's too hard to endure to the end. I just want to give up. I want to stop living for Christ. I want to stop living the life that He has called me to. This life of dependence on Him. A life of dying to myself. Denying myself when tempted to sin. And I just want to live for myself. Maybe that would be easier. Maybe I wouldn't suffer as much. And we know that might be true in a very temporary sense. Maybe life would be easier if you just threw in the towel. Maybe you would suffer less. But this life is so short. A lot of you are older than me in this room. Some of you have lived 70, 80, 90 years. But even you, I've heard you say, life is short. It goes so fast in the blink of an eye. And there's no guarantee that we'll even live to 70, 80, 90 years of age. Even the longest life feels short. And no one is promised a long life. God has numbered our days. And he's given us just the right number of days that he has determined. This life is short. James 4.14 For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So don't throw in the towel. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't give in to temptation to live How you would want in this short life for yourself. Because an eternity awaits us. Those who are truly saved persevere to the end. Don't turn away. Don't shipwreck your faith. And prove that you were never saved. The writer of Hebrews is telling us Jesus is better. Jesus is worth it. Hold fast to the end. Because we do, we have a heavenly calling. We have, as 1 Peter 1 says, we have an inheritance that God is keeping for us in the new heavens and the new earth. In Revelation 21, who is there waiting for us in this new heavens and new earth? Who will be there at the right hand of the throne? Jesus, the Lamb. Consider Him and endure. An eternity with God awaits us, worshiping, enjoying Him forever. So hold fast your confidence and you're boasting in your hope. Keep enduring. We don't hope without any confidence. We hope with confidence that God will indeed do as He has said. He will bring us to Himself. He will keep us to the end. So keep persevering. Keep holding fast. And we can only hold fast. We can only persevere as we look to Jesus, as the faithful apostle that we need, as the faithful high priest that we need, as the faithful builder that we need. Let's persevere to the end as we look to him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you have given us your word so that we can consider Jesus and we are thankful Lord as we see him in Hebrews that he is the faithful one that we need that we look to as we live this life as we fight against sin as we fight to persevere God we need our Lord we need his faithfulness and we are thank you that he proves faithful in every way and so father we pray this morning as we go into another week, that you would help us to endure. Help us to endure trials that may come. Help us to endure in the midst of maybe difficult relationships that we are in. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to not cower, to not live in fear, but help us to have a sure confidence. Help us to be rooted in and and reminded of the, the anchor to which we hold, Christ himself. We thank you for our Lord. We thank you that he is not dead, but he is alive and he is ever interceding for us. Even now, as we've entered into your throne room, he is with us. And we thank you for him. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength that we need by your spirit. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.